0: book four chapter four of st francis of assisi a biography by johannes Jorensen, translated by thomas o'connor sloan this librivox recording is in the public domain book four francis the hermit chapter four laverna and the stigmata during the summer of twelve twenty four francis's health seems to have improved and in August he left Rieti. The goal of this journey was the mountain Laverna in Casentino, which had been given to him by Orlando de Catani in 1213. He wished, along with the most faithful brothers Leo, Angelo, Maceo, Silvestro, Illuminato, to celebrate the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin, August 15th, and then to prepare himself by a forty days fast for the feast of St. Michael, September twenty-ninth, In common with the rest of the people of the Middle Ages, Francis nourished a special devotion to this archangel, Signifer Sanctus Michaelis, the standard-bearer of the heavenly host, and the one who with his trumpet was to wake the dead in their graves on the last day shale Mikal, sol michael as he is called for that reason in the old norsk draum immediately after having received the alverna hill as a gift francis had sent a couple of brothers there to take possession of it with the help of the duke orlando's people the brothers had established themselves upon a plateau high up on the cliff and had built some huts of clay and interwoven branches as francis liked it next the duke orlando built a little church which received the same name as the portiuncola chapel namely santa maria degli angeli our lady of the angels during the trip to laverna francis's strength again failed him and the brothers went into a farmyard to borrow an ass for their master when the peasant heard who it was that wanted to use the beast he came out himself art thou the brother francis there is so much said about he asked receiving an affirmative answer he added then take care that thou art as good in reality as they say for there are many who have confidence in thee stirred to his innermost depths francis cast himself down and kissed the peasants feet in thanks for his reminder may it not have been the same peasant who himself undertook to guide francis and the brothers to laverna whoever it was he was seized by an overwhelming thirst in the burning summer heat and during the long hard ascent from the river corcelone to the convent when he complained of his thirst to francis the latter kneeled down with him in prayer and a moment after he was able to lead the peasant to a spring but as now francis and his brethren climbed the mountain and rested a little at the foot of an oak the fioretti tell us there was at once a flock of the birds of heaven in the place and greeted them with cheerful song and fluttering of their wings and some rested on francis's head and others on his shoulders and again others on his knees and hands but when francis saw this wonder he said i believe dearest brothers that it is the pleasure of our lord jesus christ that we establish a residence on this lonely mountain where our sisters the birds rejoice so much over our coming but when the count orlando heard that brother francis and his friars were going to build on mount alverna he was highly pleased over it And the next day he went there with many from his castle, and they came and brought bread and wine and other things with them to Francis and his friars. And as he approached the place, he found them praying, and he went up and greeted them. Then Francis arose and received Lord Orlando and his followers with great love and joy, and they sat down to speak together. And after they had spoken together, and brother francis had thanked count orlando for the mountain he had given him and had preached a little the evening fell and lord orlando took francis and his brethren aside and said to them my dearest brothers it is not my intention that you shall suffer from want on this wild mountain and therefore i say to you once for all that if you are in need of anything you shall only send a messenger to me after it and if you do not do so i will be very angry about it and after he had said this he withdrew with his followers to his castle francis then made the friars sit down and determine how they were to live and he especially impressed upon them the keeping of holy poverty in their hearts and said to them do not pay so much attention to lord orlando's friendly offering as to break the troth you have promised Our Lady, the holy poverty. And after many beautiful and pious words about this thing, he concluded, saying, This is the way of life I lay upon you and myself. For as I see that my death approaches, I wish to be alone with God and lament my sins. And brother Leo can bring me a little bread and a little water, as seems fit to him but if any one comes answer for me and let no one come to me and when he had said these words he gave them his blessing and went to his hut which was under a great beech tree and the friars remained in their huts there are still shown by laverna the places where saint francis stopped the great overhanging stone sasso or maso spico under which he used to pray the dark damp cave where he had his hard bed on a projecting shelf brother leo's grotto high up on the mountainside, where francis many a morning in the early hours attended his friend's mass and prayed to the body and blood of our lord in the white host and golden chalice lifted on high in brother leo's hand as the only comfort for poor pilgrims in this vale of tears for again francis seems to have become disquieted troubled and bowed down with thoughts of the future how was it all going to end they had taken his brothers his sons from him and whither were they taking them now they were going there where francis did not wish them to go and he had to look on without power in vain did francis issue his ideal image of what a perfect friar minor a perfect provincial minister a perfect general of the order should be he knew well that the facts were widely different brother elias and others of his mind were not as francis would have it satisfied with a book and an inkhorn and one pen and a signet they collected books and studied church law and it was only waste of time to exhort them to act towards their brothers in the spirit not in the letter of the law again and again might francis sigh to god lord i commit to thee the family thou hast given me i cannot lead them any longer myself but again and again the beautiful dream would return and all was as in the old days when nothing stood between him and his dear children and they were united in harmony again and were to be separated no more one day francis awakened out of this his constant dream and realized anew the truth and had recourse to a method he had used before to lift the edge of the veil that hides the future he ordered brother leo to take the book of gospels and in honor of the holy trinity to open it in three places leo did as his master desired and all three times it opened at the passion of christ then francis understood that there was nothing for him but to suffer to the end and that his days of good fortune were gone for ever and he resigned himself to god's will in the night which followed francis could not sleep in vain did he turn on his hard bed in vain did he listen for the call of the friars of laverna announcing the hour for saying matins all will be as it should be in heaven francis said to comfort himself there at least there is eternal peace and happiness and with these thoughts he fell asleep then it seemed to him that an angel stood by his bed with violin and bow in hand francis said the shining denizen of heaven i will play for thee as we play before the throne of god in heaven and the angel placed the violin to his chin and drew the bow across the strings a single time only then brother francis was filled with so great a joy and his soul was filled with such living sweetness that it was as if he had a body no longer and knew of no secret sorrow and if the angel had drawn the bow down across the strings again thus francis told his brothers the next morning then would my soul have left my body from uncontrollable happiness after the feast of the assumption francis withdrew from the brothers into still greater solitude the place he had selected for himself was on the far side of a deep ravine and to cross over to it a felled tree trunk had to be used as a bridge over the abyss here francis installed himself in a hut and had made the arrangements with brother leo that he should visit him twice in the twenty-four hours once by day to bring bread and water once by night at matins as leo stepped upon the bridge he was to say aloud the words with which the recitation of the breviary begins the verse of the psalm o lord thou wilt open my lips domine labiae meia peres if francis from the other side gave the proper response and my mouth shall declare thy praise et os meum annunci abit laudem tuam then leo was to go across the bridge and say the matins with francis but if he got no answer he was to go quietly home again But Francis said this because he was sometimes in such a state of rapture that he could not speak for a whole day. He was so occupied with God, says the Fioretti. For a while, brother Leo carried out his master's commands correctly. Then there came a night when he stood on the usual place by the bridge and said the usual words, but Francis did not answer. Now it was a moonlit night clear with the coolness of autumn like many september nights in the apennines the country lay clear and silent and lonely and the moonlight on the beech trees looked like snow the moon shone into the empty hut and after a brief delay leo crossed the bridge he carefully crept through the trees there was no trace of francis to be seen at last he heard a murmuring as of one who prayed and by following the noise he discovered francis with arms spread out in the form of a cross and his face turned to heaven he lay prostrate and prayed aloud leo stopped stood motionless in the shadow of a tree and now could hear the words of the master's prayer in the clear almost frosty night air they reached him one by one. O my dearest Lord and God, said Francis, invoking heaven, what art thou, and what indeed am I, thy little useless worm of a servant? This he repeated over and over again, until brother Leo, in moving, trod upon a twig which snapped. At this noise Francis ceased praying at once and stood up, in the name of jesus he called out stay still whoever thou art and do not move from the place and he approached brother leo but brother leo said afterwards to the other brothers that in this moment he was so frightened that if the earth had opened he would have gladly hidden himself in its depths for he was afraid that francis in punishment for his disobedience Would no longer have him with him and his love of francis was so great that it seemed to him that he could not live without him but francis came close to the tree and said who art thou and trembling all over brother leo answered it is i leo but francis said to him god's little lamb why hast thou come hither have i not told thee that thou must not spy upon me in the name of holy obedience, tell me if thou hast perceived anything. But he answered, Father, I heard thee speak and say, and with much devotion pray, my dearest Lord and God, what art thou, and what am I, thy little useless worm of a servant? And brother Leo cast himself on his knees, and said with great reverence, Father, I beg thee, that thou explainest to me the words i heard o little lamb of jesus christ said he o my own brother leo in that prayer which thou didst hear two lights were manifested to me one light in which i knew the creator and one in which i knew myself when i said what art thou my lord and god and what am i then i was in the light of contemplation in which I saw the infinite depth of the divine Godhead, and my own wretched abyss of misery. Therefore I said, What art thou, Lord, the highest, the wise, the all-good, the all-merciful, that thou troublest thyself about me, who am the most miserable worm of all, a little abhorrent and despicable creation? These then were the words thou heardest, little Lamb of God. But watch thyself, that thou spiest on me no more and go back to thy cell with god's blessing the days and nights went by soon the feast of the exaltation of the holy cross september fourteenth would be at hand the feast in honor of the winning in the year six twenty nine by the emperor heraclius of the true cross which the persian king Cosros fourteen years before had taken away with him as conqueror from jerusalem the cross and the crucified one had always been an object of the deepest feeling on francis's part it was the voice of the cross that in san damiano's lonely church in 1207 had converted him from the world to follow christ in naked poverty from that hour says the three brothers legend his heart was so sore and melted with the memory of christ's sufferings that all his life he bore the wounds of the lord jesus in his heart it was the sufferings of the crucified one that stood before his eyes when as a young man he went and wept in the woods by Portiuncula. a person met him there one day and asked the reason of his sorrow i am weeping answered francis for the pain of my lord jesus christ and so great so real was his unhappiness that even the other began to weep to honour the cross was the object of the prayer francis had prescribed for his brothers we pray to thee o lord and praise thee because with thy holy cross thou hast redeemed the world and he would never permit the brothers to step upon two straws or two twigs that were lying across each other and the others thought of him under the symbolism of the cross sylvester dreamt that a cross of gold went out of the mouth of brother francis and over the world and brother pacificus saw him in a dream in the form of a cross pierced by two swords leo once saw a great gilded cross going in front of francis in the mass of the feast of the exaltation of the holy cross it is as if places in the liturgy were given for all the words of the church and gospel referring to the cross this sign of the cross it says shall stand in heaven when the lord comes to judgment or in the words of paul We should be glorified in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, in whom is our salvation, life, and resurrection. Or in the following Christ our Saviour, who saved Peter on the sea, save us, have mercy on us by the power of thy cross. Thou strong cross, thou noble cross, nobler than all the trees, no woods produce thy equal, a tree with such leaves and flowers is in a hymn for that day and again about the cross to the cross thou art fairer than the cedars of lebanon thou art the tree of life in the middle of the garden of paradise behold the cross of the lord let all its enemies fly the lion of judah's stem hath conquered alleluia penetrated by all these strong words Francis lay in prayer outside his cell on the morning of the 14th of September. It was not yet day, but while awaiting the sunrise he prayed with face turned to the east, with hands upraised and extended arms, O Lord Jesus Christ, two favours I beg of thee before I die. The first is, that I may, as far as it is possible, feel in my soul and in my body the suffering which thou, O gentle Jesus, sustained in thy bitter passion. And the second favor is, that I, as far as it is possible, may receive into my heart that excessive charity by which thou, the Son of God, wast inflamed, and which actuated thee willingly to suffer so much for us sinners. And as he long prayed thus, says the old story, he felt a certainty that god would vouchsafe him these two things and that it would be given him to receive both parts so far as it was possible for a creature and after he had received this promise he began with great devotion to meditate on the sufferings of christ and on the boundless charity of christ and the glow of piety grew so strong in him that with charity and pity he was all transformed to jesus and as he lay in this prayer and burned with this flame behold it came to pass that he in the same morning hour saw a seraph coming down from heaven with six luminous wings and the seraph slowly approached francis so that he could discern and clearly see that it bore an image of a crucified man and its wings were so placed that two were raised over the head, two were extended for flight, and with two it covered its body. But when Francis saw this vision he was much frightened, and at the same time he was filled with joy and sorrow and wonder. For he had great joy in the gentle Jesus who showed himself to him so intimately and looked so lovingly upon him, but it gave him inexpressible sorrow to see the lord fastened to the cross and moreover he wondered over so unusual and astonishing a vision for he knew that mortal suffering is not compatible with a seraph's immortal spirit but after he wandered thus it was revealed to him by the one before him that this vision by a special provision of god was granted him that he should understand that it was not by bodily martyrdom but through an inner flame that he should be transformed entirely into the likeness of christ the crucified but now after the wonderful vision had finally disappeared an excessive glow was left in francis's heart and the living love of god and in his body the vision left a wonderful image an imprint of christ's sufferings for at once in his hands and feet marks like nails began to appear so that they seemed perforated in the middle and the heads of the nails were within the palms of the hands and on the top of the feet and the points of the nails were on the backs of the hands and under the feet and they were bent over so that there was space between the flesh and points of the nails for a finger as if in a ring and the nails had a round black head and so in his left side the image of a lance thrust appeared without cicatrice but red and bleeding out of which blood often issued from brother francis's breast and saturated his habit and clothes but francis said nothing of this to the brothers but hid his hands and he could not put the soles of his feet to the earth any more, and the brothers found that his habit and clothes were bloody when they went to the wash, and then they understood that he bore the image and likeness of our Lord Jesus Christ the Crucified in his side, and likewise on his hands and feet. End of Book 4, Chapter 4